What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and your host for the evening. Glad to be with you. We have got Nashville on Sunday. Kickoff is at noon. I realized today that Nashville is on Central Time, or at least that's what my clock told me, my phone told me, and I just... It's amazing. We're all sort of like Anchorman with our phones. Like, whatever the phone says, that's what it says. If it tells me it's 7.30 at night, 7.30 at night. If it tells me the Nashville's on Central Time, Nashville's on Central Time. So kickoff will be at noon. If you're in Nashville, kickoff will be at noon. If you're here at home watching on television and hopefully listening to me, Mark, and Andre on Sunday. All right, what do we got tonight? Well, we got a little Titus Howard who did a little Drew's Dozen, and then he did a little Drew's Final Word, which is essentially saying he talked a little bit of football, and then he talked no football. That's kind of what it's saying with those two. Drew's Dozen, no football. Drew's Final Word, all about ball. So we got that. We also have got DP City who's going to stop by for a Deep Slant interview of the week, and that is with the Woodlands' own Danny Amendola. That's going to be a fun interview. I can't wait. The first time I think Danny's done. I think I think Danny did an interview with Drew. Did a Drew's dozen with Drew. But I think it's the first time he got the deep slant treatment. So DP is going to sit down with Danny Amendola. Going to have my keys to the game against the Tennessee Titans. And boy, there are some new. There is some definite news about the Titans. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. And then I'm going to give you my predictions straight up against spread. I bring them to you every single week. Sponsored by Caesars Rewards for every way you play. Man, we've got a lot on the show. So, let's kick it off like we always do on a Friday. And that is with the head coach of your Houston Texans, David Culley, who sat with Mark Vandermeer to chat about this one on Sunday against the 8-2 AFC-leading Tennessee Titans. Coach, with rain in the forecast throughout the week and who knows what it will be like when the ball is kicked, does being in the Buffalo game in those kind of conditions, does that help you when you face possible inclement weather? When you mentioned rain in the forecast, the first thing went through my mind was Buffalo. Yeah. We, 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 we've been through that a little bit. Right. Of course, it, it did rain and then it quit raining, but it was wet. But it does help and having been in those conditions. And at that time, going to Nashville and playing in that, in Buffalo at the time we were there, the temperature was pretty good. Right. You know, and basically right now things have gotten a little cooler uh, in Nashville with the rain and whatnot. But you expect that going down there this time of year. And But having been there and played in that, it is a, it is a help for us. Tennessee, everyone talks about no Derrick Henry, but they still want to run the ball, Coach, it seems. And everything they do sort of works off of that. Do we have that right? You got it exactly right. Uh, instead of using that one guy to, to run the ball, they're using two or three guys to run the ball. And they're doing the same things that they've done before. They didn't change their offense. It's just that when you're on the other side of the defense, you know that that number 22 is a pretty good chance he's going to touch that football. And when he does touch it, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a tough to handle. But – they're still doing the same things, Mark. Uh, they are who they are. They're not going to change it. Uh, they have not been as effective the last couple of games running the ball as they have with him. Mm-hmm. But it's still who they are. It's what they are. They're still going to do it. And we know the first thing we got to do is be able to stop the run and not give up the big play. Tannehill moves around very well, right? He's hard to get to. He is a very mobile quarterback. What people forget about him, Mark, is that guy was a receiver at one time. 
He's very athletic. He's as mobile as any quarterback that we've played. Uh, I think he's got five rushing touchdowns right now this year. Uh, they do have some called runs for him also, especially in short yardage type situations. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that we got to stay in our lanes. We got to make sure we keep him in the pocket and, and make sure he throws that ball instead of running the thing. What are you expecting from your offense after the week off and more practice time for Tyrod coming back from missing so much time prior to the Miami game? Well, just the execution part of it, Mark. Uh, you know, we didn't get that in Miami. We didn't get the execution from him or from our offense during that time. And now that he's had, now we're going into like the third week of him actually being back and practicing. Uh, well, I'm hoping that he's doing the things that he did prior to the, the injury and get us the consistency that we need in our offense and be able to run the ball and do the things that we need to do in the passing game. And uh, uh, this week of practice, uh, we've kind of felt like that we're back on track for that. What about special teams against this crew? Coach? I'll tell you what, this is a crew here that has, in special teams, why you got to keep your antenna up. These guys have, in the last two years, I think they've run four fakes. They've been successful with those kind of things. Uh, we saw one two weeks ago that they did on a fourth down where they got a big first down on. Uh, uh, this, is a, this is a special teams unit that is very, very solid. Uh, they're very good at what they do. Uh, we got our hands full with them. They do some element of surprise things on offense, too, and you mentioned special teams stuff like that. How hard is that to get ready for? Well, you, basically the film study is so important there. You know that there are certain situations that you see them do these things. And so there's a high alert for in a particular situation during the ball game that you've seen these guys right here uh, because of the down and distance, because of where you are on the field, that you you got to be alert for something, some kind of gadget or something happening that uh, that is unusual. And they've done a good job of doing that. All right, so going back to Tennessee for you, Nashville not too far away from Sparta, what is that like for you, or is it just purely a business trip? It is purely a business trip, although I will have some family members down there that I'll see uh, after the game. Uh, but it, it is truly. We, basically, when we travel, Mark, you know you travel with us. We go, we get there, uh, we do our meetings, uh, we eat, uh, we get up in the next morning, we go, and we go play. And then we go home. Yep. You know? And basically, it, it is truly a business trip. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Mark. Of course, that's the first thing that I check pretty much every single week. When I checked at the beginning of the week, the weather, it looked like it was actually going to be cloudy. It was going to be okay. And then as the week wore on, oh, my goodness, we are about to get pounded with rain. And the four hours about from kickoff to, you know, the game doesn't really take four hours. Sometimes it does. It goes overtime. But most games are not going to get to four hours unless it's college. But either way, that four-hour period from noon to four is like 93% rain almost the entire time. Now, I'm hoping that forecast changes, but I don't think it is going to. I don't think it's going to. Ugh. So, all right. Uh, yeah, got to live. We did it in Buffalo. We dealt with it, and we moved on. Not as successful um, in Buffalo. Hopefully, we'll be more successful against Tennessee in Nashville in the rain because the rain is coming. Again, hopefully, that thing will hit before the game starts. But either way, grass field, going to get chewed up a little bit. Could be a mud game. Always like mud. I'm okay with it. I mean, I love playing in I love playing in rain games. I hated coaching in rain games. I hated being 
down in the sidelines in rain games. Uh, Buffalo this year was actually I'm trying to think. I was about the worst one. Miami, we got hit with a storm, but either way, uh, those are first world sideline reporter problems. Uh, so hopefully it's going to end up being okay. Fingers are crossed, but it doesn't look good at this point. So we all might be mutters on Sunday. Now, some of us may not even be at the game. And here's what I mean. Let's get to the injury status report because this one is long. Not for your Texans, though. And that's actually halfway decent sign. For the Texans, out Hardy Nickerson. That's it. Questionable. Cravon LeBlanc, who came down with illness, he is questionable. Also, Jonathan Grenard. Now, Cravon did not practice today. Jonathan Grenard was questionable, and I thought I remember seeing him at practice. Friday, they're doing a little different deal, so you see kind of the specialists and in the uh, perimeter players out. They stretch and do everything first. They kind of go through some stuff, and then the, uh, the hog mollies come out, the big guys come out, and they do their thing. And I, I thought I saw him there, but either way, limited. John Grenard, questionable. Got to have him. I mean, got to have him this weekend with how well he has played. And full participant, Farrell Brown. So that's good. There's no status on him, so that means he is in. Oh, it's going to be good to see 8-5 back for your Texans. Now, for the Titans, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven players are out of this one, including starting right guard Nate Davis dealing with a concussion, starting outside linebacker Bud Dupree with an abdomen, Rashawn Evans starting linebacker, although last week it was Monty Rice, so not not the worst loss, I guess. I've kind of been... Reading the tea leaves, they haven't been real happy with Evans this year anyway, so you got Monty Rice. David Long, ooh, now, one of the reasons that you didn't have too big a problem with Evans being out is you knew you'd go with David Long. So that means that the two linebackers they're going to have are Jayon Brown and Monty Rice. Brown's played a lot. Rice is a rookie. And the backup to them is Dylan Cole. Greg Maben, corner, out. Jeremy McNichols, one of the three-headed monster running back, concussion, out. And one of the key tight ends, not Anthony Ferkser, but Jeff Swaim, is also out. Davis, Dupree, David Long, Greg Maben, Jeremy Nichols, Jeff Swaim, all out. One questionable, and that's Jackrabbit Jenkins, a.k.a. Janoris Jenkins. He is questionable. He's been dealing with chest, and he practiced fully and then on Wednesday and then all of a sudden by Thursday he had a chest issue and Friday a chest issue as well so he's been out the last two days that typically is not a a great trend where Wednesday you're not on the injury report at all and then Thursday and Friday you're not there or you're there in the DMP category but he's still questionable now limited participants Chris Jackson's back Harold Landry Jeffrey Simmons Tier Tart All four key players on a defense that's been really chewing teams up because of the turnovers they've been able to create. Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry in particular, but Taylor Tart is very underrated. They were limited in practice, but they are in. Full participants, also Aaron Brewer, offensive lineman, Torrey Carter, fullback, and Kyle Pecco dealing with ankle. They are back, and they're good to go. So 
Hardy Nickerson for the Texans out. Nate Davis, Bud Dupree, Rashawn Evans, David Long, Greg Maben, Jeremy Nichols, Jeff Swaim, seven players out. So I guess at that point, whoever the Titans have on the roster left, they're all in. I don't even know. They want to have to file an inactive report. I think this is everybody, I think. And we'll see what happens with Jackrabbit Jenkins. Now, you obviously can go with less if you want, but we'll see what the uh, Titans are able to do. Keep an eye on transactions that they'll have on Saturday. They obviously are without Julio Jones and Derrick Henry already due to being on IR. So the Titans, a little bit shorthanded. Now, A.J. Brown is one to watch, too. I think he's going to be okay. Today he did not participate, says NIR, not injury-related, rest. And if you follow that story with A.J. last week, he uh, had a press conference. He talked about some of the things that he had been dealing with from a mental health perspective. And he was very, very open, and I was, I was glad he was. And I think that's going to be the NFL's challenge over the next year or two is how do they adequately deal with mental health issues for players and deal with it appropriately. And I think A.J. Brown, Calvin Ridley, two receivers, two well-known receivers in this league, and there are probably tons of others that maybe are scared to come forward or just don't know how to handle it. So hopefully the NFL um, will handle uh, these issues. The teams will handle these issues and handle them appropriately. Mike Vrabel talked about A.J. Brown today at his press conference, and I I just kind of sat there and I kind of pumped my fist like, it's good to see a a head coach, a key figure of an NFL organization, get it and really get it um, because that's what, That's what players need that are dealing with mental health issues. This is what they absolutely, without question, need. So that was uh, good stuff from Mike Vrabel. So injury report is long, and we'll see how that plays out on Sunday. Again, uh, the inactive list for the Titans. I may have just read it from all the players that are out. We'll keep an eye on Jack Rabbit Jenkins starting corner. Uh, and see whether he is able to go. If not, it'll be Christian Fulton at one corner, Chris Jackson presumably uh, at one of the other corners, uh, and we'll keep an eye on, on what they're going to do when they get into nickel and even dime, how they're going to handle that. Um, but a little bit thin at certain positions because of the guys that are already on IR and the guys that are listed as out for this one for the 8-2 and two Titans. Okay, we've got to talk to Danny Amendola. And DP City had an opportunity to do that. We'll have that for you next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and a former teacher. And as a former teacher, I loved bringing football to my classroom. I loved doing it. If there was a way I could do it with so much math, I didn't really teach like analytics and stuff like that, but... I brought some different things to both my algebra, calculus, geometry, and physics classrooms. And I know you can do it too. So I'm calling all of you Houston area teachers out there. You want to bring a little Texas football to your classrooms? Then sign up for Toro's Math Drills presented by Drills. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexas.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Bring those math drills into your classroom. I'm telling you, drill them. I, I'm telling you, if you got kids in third and fourth grade, and I'm trying to remember what exactly you'd learn in third and fourth grade, but I guarantee you that there will be some kids that may not be able to count to seven, but if you tell them how scoring goes in a football game, 
they would be able to do it. They would figure it out. I'm sure that's going to be part of Toro's matchups. Supporting Conoco Phillips, you're supporting Toro, and Toro's the best, right? 2021 mascot of the year, he's the best. So hook it up. Toro's Matros presented by Conoco Phillips. Now, these next two individuals, I think, would make great teachers whenever they are done with their quote unquote playing careers. Danny Amendola on the field, DP Sidhu in her radio career. Uh, that's like equal parts on the field and off the field. They would both be great teachers. Danny's dad was uh, a coach out in the Woodlands. In fact, coached him in high school, won a state championship out with the Woodlands. And DP could be an excellent teacher, an unbelievable teacher. I think she would be great. So they would all use Toro's Matros, but not here because it's time for our deep slant interview of the week. DP had a chance to catch up with Danny and talk about any number of topics. So DP, take it away. It's the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. My guest, 13-year vet wide receiver Danny Amendola. Great to have you, Danny. You pretty much hit the ground running when you signed here with the Texans. So now that you had some time under your belt, how has the transition been for you so far? It's been great. You know, I've, I've known a lot of guys in this organization and, and have a huge respect for, for, you know, the people in this building. So it was great to come in and, and get started and, and get rolling. Uh, very thankful, very, you know, very happy to be here. So, um you know, it's, it's been a really good, really smooth transition. I'm from Texas. I'm from Houston. Got a lot of friends here. So it's been great to be in the hometown and playing ball. Had you been coming back to Houston frequently? Yeah, my dad still lives here. I have a lot of friends. Um, I live in Austin a couple hours away. So I'm here in the off season once a month, hanging out, playing golf, usually just seeing my friends and, and, and spending time with family. So it's uh, it's been great to get here and get some work in, play some ball in front of the home team. So it's good. All right, so you signed here on September 9th. Four days later, you're catching a touchdown pass against the Jags. You were not with the team this offseason, so kind of walk me through what was that like for you, signing with the Texans and then just having to get down here in a hurry and then learning the plays that you knew for week one. What were those four days like for you? It was, a, I mean, it was a whirlwind for me. Uh, you know, uh, you know, came in, uh, was in the team hotel, didn't really know my bearings around, you know, the, the stadium, kind of the new kid in school type of feeling. But uh, the really familiar with the playbook, really familiar with, uh, you know, Tyrod and, and, you know, some of the players here, Cooks and, and some of the guys. So, uh, you know, whatever I, if I had any questions, I would just ask them and, you know, just trying to build, just trying to, trying to get better and trying to improve here in the building and, and um, you know, make strides in the right direction. I know the coaches had said they gave you your little package to work on for week one. Yep. Now that you're this many weeks into it, do you have a, a knowledge of the whole playbook or how close are you to really knowing the whole thing? I know it's not a it's not a full off season, but still yeah, with, with your experience. There's a couple things in camp. I'm sure the guys went over and, and it's, it was new to me because I wasn't in camp here. So um, yeah, I'm just trying to build, you know, you know, take what I know the first week, build to the second week, so on and so forth. And, um, you know, we're halfway through the season now and, you know, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of, of um, you know, my role in the team. Obviously, I'm trying to expand my role and trying to get better, try to help this team win. I know it's hard for players when you have to just pick up and suddenly move to a, a new city, a new team, but did it make it easier coming back to Houston? No doubt, no doubt. I mean, yep. you at least know the freeway system, the, the <laughs> exactly. city a little bit. The traffic system, if you will. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Um, yeah, it was, it's, it was smooth. Uh, you know, like I said, had a lot of familiar faces. Uh, Dylan Thompson, a guy – who, who's in player personnel here that just did a great job helping me out, getting me, you know, in the right direction, uh, off the field, what I needed to do, and, um, you know, make make everything easier on the field. So, like I said, just, just great organization, great people here, and, um, you know, I'm excited. All right, so a lot of these players that have signed with the Texans, not familiar to Houston, not familiar to Texas, but since you are, mm -hmm. I mean, do you have some – 
like hidden gems or favorite spots that oh, you've, yeah. re you've revisited since you've been back? Growing up, Papacitos was the, oh, the yeah. place to be. I don't think that's changed. I've gotten to go a couple times. I think I went twice in the first week. <laughs> and then I kind of got my fix because I was out in, uh, in Michigan and in you know New England for a while. And we didn't have much good Mexican food. So Tex-Mex, if you will. And, and I mean, Papacitos, for anybody that hasn't been, obviously, if you're in Houston, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, is a, is definitely a gem. Don't take it for granted. Yeah, it's really hard to find good guacamole outside of Texas. This no, is what I've learned. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, you just kind of got to take your home recipes and, and make them your own. All right. Well, well speaking of recipes, I had heard that, or I'd, I'd seen in an interview that one of your pregame meals is French toast yep. with PB&J. Yep. Very creative. Yeah. Um, do yep. you have any other food creations that, oh, you, that you do? Not a whole lot. I try to cook at the house a lot in the off-season. Uh, I'm on the go so much in in the middle of the season. I don't really get the chance to cook too much. But you know, PB and J, I I kind of you know needed a little bit something sweeter be before a game as in, in, in more filling than just the regular PB and J. So I wanted to grab the French toast and, and make it something, uh, <laughs> making something special. It's pretty good if you want to add Nutella to it. Oh wow! Fresh fruit, fresh strawberries. It's 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 the jam. I think that would work as a dessert too. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's good. that's a pretty hefty breakfast. No doubt. All right, you were undrafted out of Tech, then you signed with the Cowboys. You didn't yep. play at all your rookie year, which Correct. is kind of hard to believe considering the career that you've had. And and you are one of you've, you've had 13 years of experience. And this season is obviously not the way anyone wants it to go. But when you look back at your career, is there another season that was really tough for you, or that you really had to overcome a lot of adversity? Absolutely, whether it's injury or or the record, or or you're just not you know in the role you want to be in. There's a lot of um, you know, adversity you may face. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's week by week for me. Uh, you know, I couldn't even tell you who we're playing next week. I just want to put all my energy, all my focus into one week, uh, go out there, try to get a win. And I've been in, um, you know, a number of organizations. This is my seventh team. So I've kind of got the gist of how the NFL works. Uh, it's, it's not easy to win games in the NFL. There's a lot of great football teams, a lot of great football players, obviously. So, you know, the key is just to put all the work in, put your best foot forward each week and, and try to get a win. Um, I was at the 2017 or 2016 season Super Bowl. It was here in Houston. Mm -hmm. Saw you with the two-point conversion, the fourth-quarter touchdown. Now that you're playing here and this is your home stadium, mm -hmm. what's that like? Do you – I know you've probably played here since that Super Bowl, but do you sort of walk out there and remember, like, those big moments in your career? Is that something that guys do while they're still playing? Absolutely. I think about it, you know, often, you know, is this – that night was very special for me, for my family, and for my teammates. And um, you know, it was it was a it was a long night for me because it was it was a, a long game. It was a very long game. Long yes. Game, and uh, you know, it's something that I'll never forget, always remember. But you know, I've been I've been in this building a bunch, been to the rodeo here a couple times. Oh, been, you have? Okay. Yeah, been to a, I've been to a couple of motocross events here, so this stadium obviously is utilized for a lot of different things, and in football, obviously, uh, you know. It, a, a great, great venue to come watch, and, and, and for me, great venue to play, too. All right, so you've played the most seasons in the NFL. You're also the oldest player on the roster. Don't remind me of that. I know. I mean, old and age only. You're yep. you're 30. You just turned 36, so yes, happy belated birthday. And yep. I had Brevin Jordan on um, yep. uh, last time, and he is the youngest player. So he did yep. not say that you acted like the oldest player. He said that was B <laughs> Davis Mills. So I feel like he didn't really throw you in that category. Which is a rookie. Yeah, He's a so, yeah. <laughs> um, old souls on the team. Any other old souls in the locker room? Man, there's there's a bunch of great guys in this locker room. I can't I can't say enough about the group we have here, man. Everybody comes in and works their tail off every day. 
you know, we're going to continue to try to stack as many win wins up as we can and and try to build and, and try to, you know, get better each each game, each each season. So uh, a lot of great guys here, a lot of, you know, the I don't know if I'm the oldest. So I guess I try to st <laughs> I try to st I try to stay young. So, OK, um, you know, I'm learning from I'm learning from the guys in the locker room that have families and kids and stuff. I've yet to have kids set. So I'm, I'm taking notes and I'm, I'm uh, utilizing my my access to uh, good parenting skills when in the future for me. All right, you, you said something very interesting. You said you try to keep young at heart, so I have mm -hmm. a game for you. Let's roll. So these are things that you're supposed to know if you're young. So oh. if you really are young at heart, you'll know some of these. Okay. So if you don't know what it is, just give me your best guess. Okay. Because I don't really know how this is going to go. Yeah. Do you know who these guys are? A huge, huge pop band. I've seen them on an award show, I think, MTV. I want to say... They're like, it's like a couple letters, maybe. Yes. I don't know what the letters are. BTS. BTS. South yes. Korean boy band. Yep. Wow, you're off to a great start. <laughs> okay. Yep. What is, um, what is this? That is a handbag. Looks like leather from <laughs> Europe. I uh, can't tell you the brand, but it looks pretty sweet. It is a handbag. It's yep. a shopper. It's the Telfar shopping tote. Apparently was all the rage during COVID and sold out immediately. Yep. yep. Okay. That's, that's pretty good. Yep. All right. Those look like uh, Yeezys, the new Croc edition. Uh, <laughs> they, they look comfy. I don't own them, but, you know, they're... A few, a few players have been wearing them. I've seen them. They're called stylish, foam yeah. runners, but, yeah, they're like Crocs, but make it fashion. Yeah, right, I guess. I, I think Yeezy uh, would probably have a problem if I said that. <laughs> All right, do you know who she is? I, do n I don't know who that is, no. Okay, uh -uh. this is a hard one. Uh, yeah. Are you on a TikTok? An actor, or is she a TikTok? TikTok. I, do, I have a. Are you? Have do a, you do the TikTok? I have a ghost account TikTok, so I can I can kind of watch other through. people's. Yeah, and I and it's huge entertainment for me. I just got put on TikTok uh, a couple months ago, but um, I, I mean, she's a TikTok phenom, I'm sure. Yeah, she's the richest TikTok star, Charlie D'Amelio, and I had to write the answers on the back because I don't even know there all of go. these. So then, don't feel so bad. But that's pretty good. You did uh, all right. It was it was subpar, but <laughs> I got I got go. You can study for the next time. We'll do a round two the next time you're on. Definitely. How about it? All right, what about the rest of the rest of the year? What, what are you looking to sort of get better and improve at for the rest of these games? Just anything. Whatever we can do to win games and, and um, you know, go out there and compete our tail off. And, and you know, we got a bunch of, bunch of winnable games coming up. Every one of them's you know, in our eyes, we, can, we have a chance to win. And we have a bunch of guys in here, you know, willing and eager to fight for four quarters and, and get it done. And, um, you know, just practice, get better, try to win some games. All right, good stuff. Danny Amendola, thanks so much for the time. Thank you. I'm telling you, it's still sort of odd to see Danny in the hallway. Today, I happened to be coming out of the radio studio, and Danny was kind of behind me. So as I was coming out of the radio studio, we were almost kind of lined up next to one another, and there's something kind of happening in front of us. And I kind of looked at him. I was like, you believe that? And he just kind of smiled and laughed. And I was like, man, it's Danny Amendola. It's just, I, I don't know. There's something about it. Having played against him for so many years with him and the Patriots and watching him make all those great catches – for Tom Brady and the Patriots and Super Bowls and all that, there's still a joy in the way he plays football. I watched him today when he was out of practice, just catching punts, throwing the ball back to the equipment guys so they could get it back to the punter and just having a blast playing ball. And I think that rubs off. And when we were in Arizona, he almost went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Isaiah Simmons. Now, if you look up Danny's weight, height, weight, he's like 5'10", 5'11", 180. Isaiah Simmons is like 6'4", 235. And Danny didn't back down for a second. Not, I mean, not for a second. I mean, Amendola is ready to fire 
It was kind of interesting to watch. Um, of course, little discussion got broken up um, at the beginning of the game, but it kind of went into the, into the game a little bit. But it was just interesting to watch the fiery competitor. Now, we all knew Danny is and has always been, but to see that manifest itself like right in front of one of the just most impressive physical specimens you've seen in Isaiah Simmons for the Arizona Cardinals. So hopefully that will uh, rub off that fight, that spirit rubs off this weekend in Nashville against the Titans. Now, we do have a <laughs> Titanic battle. Yeah, dad joke. Uh, with the Titans. How are the Texans going to get it done? Well, I've got my keys to the game next right here on Texans All Access. Oh, yeah, baby. It is time for my keys to the game. Yeah, I do this every single week, third segment, first hour. I didn't do it last week, obviously, because there was not a game. So I didn't have any keys to do, and it felt kind of... I don't know. I felt sort of naked without them, not doing them. I love to do them. I do them uh, and have been doing them since 2003. I think the very first keys to the game that I did officially was K-State and Texas, the different college football news. And I've been doing keys to the game for all kinds of games. But I started doing them for every Texans game and thought, you know what? It was actually a suggestion of Jamie Roots, former Texans president, who said, hey, you should do those on air. I was like, all right, good idea. And so I did. You can read my article at Know Your Foe, um, and you can see what I have to say. But it's basically a presentation of those keys that you can see and know your foe. And the foe this week, as you know, is the Tennessee Titans. Eight and two. We haven't seen the Titans since week 17 of last year when A.J. Brown caught a deep ball one play before. Gosh, who was it? Uh, why am I drawing a blank on who kicked it? But one beefed-up kicker hit a field goal off the crossbar and made it. And I, why am I drawing a blank out of who that was? Because that, from my angle, I, I, didn't, I stayed on the far end, and I couldn't actually see who that was, um, whether that field goal was going to be good or not. I was kind of at a bad angle, and it looked like, from my angle, it was going to be good. Uh, oh, it was uh, Sloman. Sean Sloman? Sloman, I think, from Virginia Tech. Either way, Sloman doinks it off the upright. Titans win. Titans win. Oh, what a gut punch. It tied the game right before that. They hit that deep ball. I just don't even want to. I did. I can't even think about that one. Got to think about this one. Because the game in week six in Nashville last year was kind of the same thing. Took a seven-point lead. Decided to go for two, which I thought was the absolute right decision. Put them away right there. They don't have time to do two possessions. All you got to do is recover an outside kick if you give it the touchdown. And got it knocked down by Jeffrey Simmons. And that's going to be somebody we talk about. Titans went down, tied it, got the coin flip to go their way, and drove down, and Derrick Henry wildcatted himself in the end zone. Now, we won't see Derrick Henry, and we won't see Julio Jones. But we will see A.J. Brown, and that is a bad thing, and you're going to hear why in just a second. So crank up my music because I, I just I feel better with the music going. It gives me a little rhythm, gives me a little, a little funk, a little, uh, you know, in my step, you know, kind of Bruno Mars-ish. So let's go right now, the keys. Let's start with the Tennessee Titans offense. Now, this is a group that averages 
131.6 yards per game on the ground, a seventh in the NFL. We're going to get to that in a second. Passing yards, they throw from about 215, 216. That's 23rd in the league, 348 per game. That's 17th, like right in the middle of the league about. They've lost 12 turnovers. The key has been lately. The last four games, only four turnovers. So uh, you'll see what that's all about. We know about quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Jeremy Nick McNichols is out. So it's going to be Deontay Foreman and Adrian Peterson. In this one, no Julio Jones. So A.J. Brown, Chester Rogers, more than likely the receivers. You'll see Nick Westbrook-Ikine as well, along with Marcus Johnson, who had a great game. Former Colt, former Texas Longhorn wide receiver, who is doing some big things for the Titans. He had a great, he had a great game. So Marcus Johnson could also... Uh, play a role in this one. Offensive line is pretty much the same as it's been. Taylor Luan, Roger Saffold, Ben Jones, those three have been together for about three years now. Nate Davis will not start due to concussion. He is out. David Quisenberry will start uh, at right tackle. Now, here are the keys. Number one, the Titans won't change what they are. And in Know Your Foe, uh, you'll see what I titled this, and still heavyweight champion. And the point that I'm making there, like when you hear Michael Buffer say that at the end, He's given the boxing results, and the champion wins. He says, and still, what it means is the heavyweight champ isn't going to stop being the heavyweight champ. Just because Derrick Henry is out doesn't mean that the Titans aren't going to try and badass their way to a win. And they're going to do that through the offensive line. So it's going to be ground and pound. It's going to be Deontay Foreman and Adrian Peterson. Here's the tricky part, though, for the Titans. The last two weeks... They've only run for 135 yards combined on the ground. Combined. So average of about 68 yards per game. I mean, that's not great. And last week, or the last game for the Texans, they held the Dolphins to 47 yards on 25 carries. So that could be something six weeks ago I'm thinking, oh, my God, Henry will go nuts again. That's all he does against us. And now you look at it and go, well, Henry's not playing. There's no Jeremy McNichols. There's no Nate Davis who helps give that line an identity. Man, where's the rushing going to come from? Well, we're going to get to that in uh, – we're going to get to that just a little bit. Number two, what has Brown done to you? Well, you know the commercial, what has Brown done for you? In this case, if you're the Texans, it's what has Brown, a.k.a. A.J. Brown, done to you and to us. This guy's been unbelievable. In 2019 against us, he had 12 catches for 238 yards and two touchdowns. That was as a rookie in two games. Last year, he had 15 catches for 209 yards and three touchdowns in the two games, including the game-tying touchdown in week six at Nashville and the long bomb that preceded the Sloman doinked field goal to beat us here 38-35. That clinched the AFC South for the Tennessee Titans. He is a hand Full. Now, here's what's different about the Titans with no Julio Jones, no Corey Davis. The other threats at wide receiver are okay, but they don't worry me that much. I would do everything possible to take 11 completely away and out of this game. Now, last week against the Saints, he only had one catch for 16 yards. So I'd imagine that the Titans have spent all week. How do we get A.J. Brown the ball? What do we do? There are going to be different ways they get in the ball. Push passes, jet sweeps. They're going to, be, they're going to find and invent ways to get A.J. Brown the ball. And so it is key for the Texans to slow him down. A.J. Brown might be part of that run game, which leads me to key three because quarterback Ryan Tannehill might be part of that run game 
as well. We are, uh, we are required to tell you that Ryan Tannehill used to be a wide receiver. So he's got wheels. He can run. And they will dial up some runs for him. Now, a lot of times he scrambles out of trouble because teams can't corral him and sack him because he's a big, hard-running guy. But I think a bigger key actually is how the Titans will use him in the run game. Could be quarterback sweeps. Could be things that they want to be able to do that they haven't done because they didn't need to. But now maybe they need to. They need to run the ball a little bit better. Don't be surprised if you see a little Wildcat with Adrian Peterson and Deontay Foreman. When we went to Tennessee in 2018, Vrabel threw that week two at us because they didn't. They had Blaine Gabbert playing quarterback. Don't be surprised to see a little bit of everything from the Titans from the run game, including Ryan Tannehill. And last key. It's almost Thanksgiving, right? So what do we do during the holidays? We give thanks by taking away. Well, that's weird, right? Well, yeah. In football, that's what the Texans have been doing. Last week against the Dolphins, they had five takeaways. That was 56% of their full total in 2020. Now, of the nine they got last year, they got one each at a key time against the Titans in those, in those games. Uh, Bradley Roby had an interception deep that led to a touchdown uh, for the Texans. And then Derrick Henry had a fumble when he broke through the line. And he was about to go to the house. And the Texans turned that into a touchdown. The Titans have turned it over. Now, not lately, but they have to the Texans. Taking the ball away at holiday time is a good thing if you're the Texans. All right, let's get that Titans defense. That is giving up under 100 yards per game on the ground at 7th the NFL, 98.6 yards per game. 268 yards per game through the air. That's 27th. That still hasn't improved like I know Mike Vrabel has wanted to improve. The 21st in the league in total offense allowed at 367 yards. But here's the key. They have 14 turnovers generated. They're plus two on the year in turnover margin, but they're plus five in their last four games. And that has changed things. So let's get into the keys. Number one, I think the word underrated is used so often it's become overrated. But when you have a player like Danico Autry, he is truly underrated. Everyone wants to talk about Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry. And I look up and I watch the film and I'm like, man, 96 is a problem. And that's Danico Autry. He rushes from outside, rushes from inside. He did it against us when he was with the Colts. And I hated facing him. He's doing it with the Titans. He can, because of his versatility, create a ton of issues. The Texans got to find a way to slow down Danico Autry. At the same time, blocking Harold Landry, too. And to my second key, he was number four. Now, that was not a jersey number. That was Jeffrey Simmons' spot in the 2019 Harris 100. And when I go through the Harris 100, I try and figure out, okay, who are the rock-solid locks up in the top five, top seven, top ten? And I had seen Jeffrey Simmons play numerous times throughout the year, but I saw him in the, in the uh, bowl game against Iowa. And I thought, that guy's going top five. And so I put him at, I had him at number four. Well, he ended up going number 19 because he tore his ACL in the draft process. And the Titans said, look, we'll take the long-term avenue with Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, he missed half of his rookie year in 2019. He came back and played us twice. He's played us four times. And he has been a thorn in our side every single time. And, oh yeah, he's gotten better. Guard center guard this week have got their hands full with Jeffrey Simmons. And I don't know if there's any effective way to go at him with power, uh, with quickness, with double teams. 
he has gotten to a point where he might be the best interior defensive player not named Aaron Donald in this league. Yes, that's a mouthful, but that's the level to which Simmons has risen, and he is a problem. He is the Derrick Henry on the defensive side of the ball and had a monster game against the Rams, had a great game week four against the Colts. He is playing some exceptional football, and the Texans cannot allow number 98 to ruin and wreck this game. Number three is the kitchen counter. Now, last time out, the Texans saw zero blitz and what I like to call kitchen sink blitzes. The Dolphins were sending everybody in the kitchen sink. Then they did it the next week against Lamar Jackson, even more so, and beat the Ravens doing it. Now, the Titans are not quite going to send a kitchen sink, but what they have is speed. And especially with Jayon Brown and Monty Rice at linebacker, they have flat-out blazing speed. So, like I said, I call this kitchen counter. So the Texans have got to counter that aggressiveness and that speed. With the front just diving on the ball and diving on flow, at flow, you got to be able to counter back with counter plays, cutback plays, maybe a reverse, maybe some bootleg. We used to, as outside linebackers coach, a long, long time ago, I used to have a phrase for my, for my outside guys, cutback, counter, reverse, bootleg, cutback, counter, reverse, bootleg. You had to take care of those, especially if you want to be a fast flow defense. Your backside guys have got to be careful of that. Well, if you get flying too fast, then an offense could take advantage of you, and that's what the Texans have got to do. And finally, and oh, finally, oh, finally, number four. The Texans have not scored a touchdown on the road since the fourth quarter when Davis Mills threw a quick screen to Brandon Cooks. Not scored a touchdown. If the Texans can get a touchdown on the board early, I feel like that'll break the seal. Now, I don't think that's going to lead to like 50 points in a game, but I feel like that, that burden will be off the back and the backs of this entire offense and they'll just play. I think they're feeling it. I think they're, they're pressing. If they can put one in the end zone early – then they could settle in and play a little bit and put the Titans on their heels, which would be kind of nice. All right, those are your keys to the game. One guy that is the key for the Texans is Titus Howard. He will join us next right here on Texans All Access. 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 Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access. We've put one hour in the books. We have one hour left to go right here, less than 24 hours away from kicking it off against the 8-2 Tennessee Titans, thank you for being here with me. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and looking very forward to going to Nashville, getting out of this bye week business. I, look, it's the road trips can be fun. They're grueling, but you just feel right that you've got a game and you're, you're doing your work. Man, Sunday was so hard this past week. It's so hard. It's like, man, I don't know how many times I looked up like, wait, game. No, no, no game. So, uh, yeah, it was it was uh, frustrating and yet relaxing and kind of weird all at the uh, all at the same time. Uh, but uh, we made it through. And now it is eight week sprint through the holidays and on into 2022 um, and see what we can do with these final eight games. Now, I know we got a ton of fans out there listening, and I've got to give props to some of our biggest fans out there, and that's Dykin. 
These guys are doing big things in Houston, from comfort and convenience to air quality. Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more at perfectingtheair.com. It is Daikin. Man, I saw that 2050 when I did that read. I've been doing that read now for a few weeks, but I saw 2050. I'm like, man, 2050 is so far off. And then I'm like, man, 2021 sounded so far off. Like back when I was in college, I'm like, oh, man, 2020 is forever from here. And now 2020 is in our rearview mirror. Actually, thankfully, with all the COVID nonsense that went on with 2020, ugh, I'm glad it's a rearview mirror. But man, 2050 is not that far off. 29 years. I know it sounds like a long time, but in a blink, it'll be gone. Put it this way, 2050, my son will be essentially as old as I am right now. That tells you how, wow, 2050. Whew, man, I don't think Jack wants to be 49, that's for sure. But either way, we'll get there. All right, it's time to do a little Drew's Dozen, a.k.a. non-football stuff, with Titus Howard. He is one of our favorite interviews. We'd love to sit down with Titus. We could go on. I mean, there's so many different things that you can throw at Titus, and he will, he'll handle it, and he's just – He's good on the mic. I'll put it that way. Titus Howard's very good on the mic. So here he is with Drew, a little Drew's Dozen, Titus Howard. Drew's Dozen time, and Titus Howard is the guest. Titus, this is your third time to do a Drew's Dozen. It's been a good time. We've laughed. We've had a good – I'm going to try to make it fun this time, too. Okay. okay? So yes. you majored in criminal justice. Mm -hmm. Therefore, what's the best cop movie or TV show of all time? Ooh, got to be Bad Boys. All right. Got to be for me. Uh-huh. Even though it's not like about like real deal cop stuff going it's on. It's just like it's yeah. comedy. It's like Will Smith, one of my favorite actors and just I think it's one of the best one of my favorite movies of all time. You got Martin Lawrence too. I yeah. Mean, is that guy uh, like playing off Will Smith? I mean, do you, I I'm taking you saw Bad Boys too, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, that might yeah. have been his Martin Lawrence is, is a great actor, but it's just like Will Smith just take it. Yeah. Take it there. So Will Smith, one of your favorites or your favorite? One of my favorites. Okay. Who is your favorite? I got to say Denzel Washington. Okay, yeah. that's good. What's your three favorite Denzel movies? Ooh, I got to go Training Day. Uh-huh. I got to go to Equalizers. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And then what's the, the the last movie he just came out with recently? I'm bad with names. The one where he's, he was the cop. And oh. like the girls were, um, mm. they were, they were mm. missing. And then. Yeah, yeah, you know, he had, he had moved to another city because mm -hmm. he had, had trouble with finding people who had killed. Yes. Yeah, I know what you're talking I don't remember it. I didn't see it, but I remember seeing the trailer for it. Because it happened movie. during COVID, man. It did. Like, I missed what, everything. Yeah, it's a great movie, though. Do you go to the movie theaters anywhere? No. Anymore? No. Do you miss it? I do miss it. I miss it a lot. Yeah. I'll just wait till it come on TV or something, and i just buy it. Yeah. What are you singing these days? <laughs> I ain't really been much into country. No, lately. I haven't been listening to that much country lately. Because that's what you were singing as a rookie when it was like yeah. 100 degrees and I was doing this with you on the practice field after – like you were the most miserable time and you're out there singing, having a good time. <laughs> I've been – I really – like lately with music, I've been listening to a lot of like Drake. Yeah. Uh, his album had came out, Certified Love, Kanye, some of old, some old Kanye. Um, my favorite artist 
R and B probably Jasmine Sullivan. So I listen to her a lot, but I can't sing none of her songs on here. No, there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing that's you're 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 kind of popping off in the car with. Oh, uh, probably in the car. Believe it or not, most of the time I'm in the car now. Late re- recently, I've been on the phone, so really I'd be like talking to my wife and telling about my day or something like that, or she'd be asking me how. Well, when we had this conversation, you were singing to her in the car. I know. So I know. Not singing. <laughs> Man, you're so savvy. I didn't get you. I was trying to trick you into singing on camera, but it didn't happen this time. All right, maybe some other time. What is the perfect Thanksgiving plate for you? For me? What's on it? And Lad is not watching. Lad is, of course, in charge of nutrition here with the Texas. I mean, if Lad was watching, I would tell him this. <laughs> for me, it would be some fried chicken. Okay. Some of my wife's turkey. What's special about your wife's turkey? What does she do? It just... Is I don't it know, smoked? Is it is it Cajun? Is it fried? It's, uh, is it? Nah, it's roasted. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it's pretty good. It's good. Uh, and she injected with all these flavors and stuff. Just you know. that. I gotta say the mac and cheese. I gotta have a lot of mac and cheese. My favorite food. Love it. Gotta have a turkey dressing mm-hmm. with some uh, giblet gravy on it. Okay. I'll say some green beans or something like that. But mostly just a mac. It, my plate is mostly going to be mac and cheese and dressing. Yep. Keeping it simple. Just keeping it simple. And yeah. then I think once I eat all that, I got to have me a, sli- a slice of red velvet cake. And that's it? Not doubling up on desserts? Nah. Wow. I, I don't want to do too many different desserts at one time. If I'm eating one dessert, I'm going to go all in on one dessert. But my chef does make a great – Chef Ray, by the way, makes uh, a great – Pound cake, so pound cake, huh? Yeah, he makes a cookies and cream pound cake. That's crazy. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Kudos to you for the discipline on the. I kind of hit up a few of them, so right. Better you than me. <laughs> what is the most overrated Thanksgiving food? Like you see it on the buffet line, you're like, no thanks. What are you totally avoiding? Ham. Really? How come? I can't. I don't like ham. Too salty and. Yeah, it's just yeah. too. It's just too much. All right, that's one thing I, I, I've never really liked was ham. No, stay ham. All pig products or just ham? Just ham. Just ham. Okay. What's the scariest out of this trio? An octopus, cobra, or a tiger? Definitely an octopus. How come? It just those slimy arms and. Mm-hmm. So the guy I interviewed in your chair the last time, that so before the buy, was Kamu Gruje Hill, mm-hmm. and I let off the questioning with this picture of him. And he's got this massive octopus. He's at the beach, and he's got this massive octopus. He's standing up out of the water, and this octopus is hanging off, off of him on his back. And he's like, nah, no big deal. He's a Hawaiian guy. So mm-hmm. I was like, any sea creature scary? He's like, nah. I'm kind of with you, man. No Octopuses, they're, they're just scaring me. They're terrible. Yeah. What's your favorite exercise in the weight room, and what is your least favorite exercise in the weight room? Probably bench pressing. I like the bench press. Just flat, straight, with the bar? Yeah, just yeah. barbell bench press. Mm-hmm. Least favorite which we do every day mm-hmm. in the weight room, it's probably planks. Planks? Yeah. Yeah. I hate them. Oh. And do you have to do, like, all the exotic ones, like where you yeah, lift the leg and do, an arm? and do you, that. Yeah. Go on, you flip on one side. You got to turn yeah. to the other side. Yeah, we live and die by those. Man, you know, for the first half of the season, everybody was listing their favorite as squats. And then it shifted, and everyone was saying that was their least favorite. So you've kind of – and then a lot of guys have been saying their favorite's the, the bench. Mm-hmm. That's where you are. But nobody said planks yet. That's a pretty good one. That that can be a pain, man. I, I'm, I, I salute that one. What's the greatest invention ever? I would probably say the internet. The internet? Yeah. It's good. It's a good one. First concert, best concert. Oh, my first concert, best concert, probably an Amigos concert that we had on campus when I was at Alabama State for homecoming. Nice. It's crazy. 
That's a pretty good concert yeah. at your school. That was your first one that you went to? First one I went to. And it's the best college. one you went to? The the best one. Because yeah. college concerts are crazy. Pretty fun so, time. Yeah. That's good. All right, man. Before you go to bed tonight, what's the last thing you're going to do? Before I go to bed, probably going to play a video game for like, <laughs> <laughs> what's today, Thursday? Thursday night, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's Friday tomorrow. So I'll probably play a video game for a little while before I go to bed. Is Friday the best day of the week? Sunday's the best day. Sunday's the, the best week. Okay. Yeah. Has it always been, though, like before you got to the NFL, was Sunday the best? Before, well, it always, it was Friday, then it went to being Saturday. College for Saturday. Then now Sunday. Okay, cool, so. cool. I always love doing this with you. Yes, sir. Great to see you. Best of luck the rest of the year, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Drew and I had this discussion today. Drew played me the, the video audio of that interview with Titus, and it, it's awesome. I mean, it really is. It's good stuff. I'm telling you, Radio Gold got edited out. And it was it was a decision that I get it, I understand it, but maybe one of these days we'll play blooper versions, and that one is going to be right at the top of the list. And it was one of the most awesome slip-ups ever. And I'm sure that I've I've done something to that degree, but... I'm gonna have to leave you hanging in suspense on that one, but just let's just know that there is a piece that hopefully we can play on radio at some point. Uh, that was really really funny uh, that we had we had to edit out. So hopefully we'll have a bloopers edition that will uh, be able to bring that back. But great stuff there from Titus. We'll hear from him later with Drew doing Drew's final word in our final segment. That's a little later. Coming up next, I got to give all my picks. I do it every week. I give all my picks. And over the last few weeks, I got this great email probably about three, four weeks ago. Hey, John, great news. Caesars Rewards is on board. Well, I had suggested to the to our marketing sales and to our digital department, hey, look, I do these picks. I've been doing them for years. We've got this relationship with Caesars. It makes sense. Bada bing, bada bang. And my picks are brought to you by Caesars Rewards for every way you play. And that's coming up next on Texans All Access. All right, all right, all right. Let's go. It's my favorite segment of the week right here. And it's brought to you by my friends at Caesars Rewards for every way you play. I give you predictions straight up and against the spread. And sometimes... I end up giving you an actual score prediction. Now, I do that with my college picks. I do always score predictions. NFL, sometimes I'm giving it to you. Sometimes I get a feel for the game. This year, it's been all over the map, man. There have been some wild blowouts. There have been some really crazy games. Like the the Broncos beating the Cowboys a couple weeks ago still is like, what? Oh, my goodness. So, it's time. I'm your host, John Harris, just in case I didn't say that earlier. I want to make sure that you know it's me putting it out there. If I'm right, if I'm wrong, I don't crow about being right. And I don't expect you to come at me if I'm wrong because, you know what, I'm putting on wax. I'm going to miss some sub one every, like, three or four weeks. I'm, like, 98%, like, straight up and against the spread. So, like, you can get on board or not. That's up to you. So, Let's kick this thing off. Let's get my music. There it is. And let's get started in Western New York. 
Buffalo taking on the Colts. This game was last year's wild card playoff round. And I still haven't seen hard knocks yet in season with the Colts. I can't wait to see it. I did see little clips at HBO and the NFL films have been putting out. One of them had to do about Jonathan Taylor, and it just, I just I cry when I see it. Ugh. My buddy Jesse Clark used to be with the Texans, now with the Kansas City Royals. He was a Wisconsin graduate, and he would text me at, while Jonathan Taylor was in school. He would text me, Taylor did this. I'm like, Jesse, I mean, I know I'm watching the games, but we would kind of trade text back and forth about, oh, man, what if Jonathan Taylor joined the Texans? Oh, man, that would be great. Not only did he not join the Texans, he joined the Colts. Well, the Colts are healthy in this one. In fact, the only player of consequence that really you've got to keep an eye on is, and a big one, Mr. Tremaine Edmonds. He's questionable with a hamstring for the Bills. And the Bills are seven-point favorite. I don't know about that. That struck me. When I saw that, I'm like, yo, that is a big number. Look, I know the 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 Bills, I think, straight up are better than the Colts. But 10 points, and if the Colts get that run game going, I can't get there with the Colts winning the game. I just I can't get there. I don't I'm trying to think of a scenario in which Carson Wentz and the Colts go to Buffalo and win. I can't see that. But I do think the Colts are gonna get inside that number. I think last year the playoff game it was like a six or seven point spread, and Phillip Rivers had him within three and would have won the game had he made, been able to make a throw on fourth down early in the game, down on the goal line, but didn't. And the Colts lost that. The Colts will lose this one too, but they will get inside that seven take the Bills to win the Colts to cover. All right, let's go to Chicago where the Chicago Bears are taking on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Two big things to keep in mind. One, well, they're both big things. One figuratively, but both literally. Akeem Hicks, stout defensive line for the Bears, is out against this Ravens offense. Ouch number one. Well, yeah, he's out. Doubtful is wide receiver Allen Robinson. On top of the fact, the Bears are placing both Khalil Mack and Danny Trevathan on injured reserve. Ravens are a six-point favorite on the road. I think they're going to win this by 10 or more. Let's go Ravens to win. Now, the Ravens have got a number of players questionable in this one. They've got a couple out. Brandon Williams up front, Pernell McPhee up front. But for the most part... The only other one really to keep an eye on is Marquise Brown, who's dealing with a thigh issue. He's questionable. But as long as eight's playing, and he is, I'm going with the Ravens. The Ravens are going to cover that six and beat the Bears. I, I like what I've seen from Justin Fields. I will say that. Justin Fields has shown some stuff lately. I, I like what he's doing. But I don't think it's going to be enough. I think the Ravens' defense isn't great. But I do think the Ravens will do enough to cover that six-pointer and win. All right, let's go to Cleveland. The Lions are taking on the Browns, and the good news for the Browns, an 11.5-point favorite. Nick Chubb and Demetric Felton, the rookie Weapon X player, along with Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in the league, both taken off the reserve COVID-19 list. They are expected to play, and that's enough for me. Cleveland is favored by 12. I think Cleveland will not cover the 12. I think the Lions will get inside that 12. The Lions have proven that they can hang. They just can't get enough to win. 
tied last week against Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Browns are going to win this game, but I do think the Lions will get inside that 12. They've got just enough. They, they play hard for Dan Campbell. They get after it. They just have not been able to make that one final play to get them a W. It just won't happen. They won't get a W this week, but they will get inside that 12. All right, NFC North battle. They've been playing this game since 1960. The Packers are going to Minnesota. And there's some bad news for the Packers. Running back Aaron Jones is out. Left tackle David Bakhtiari, still with that knee, is out. And it looks like Alan Lazard, dealing with his shoulder, is doubtful. Those are three big pieces on the offense. Now, that probably means you're going to rely on Quadzilla a little bit more, a.k.a. A.J. Dillon, and that's okay. So, fantasy, make sure you make a note, A.J. Dillon for the Packers. But I think that's going to be enough. I think it's going to be enough. The Vikings are relatively healthy. Bashad Breeland, the corner, is questionable, so that's definitely one to watch. In Minnesota, though, funky things can happen. And the Vikings are all over the place as a team. I mean, they go out and beat the Chargers, then they fall behind to other teams. I, I can't figure out the Vikings. And so I think Vegas is kind of the same way. I think with Aaron Rodgers in the lineup and healthy, I think straight up against the Vikings, they beat them by a touchdown. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I think the Packers are going to win this one by a touchdown. Let's go 31-24 Packers, which will cover the one and give the Packers the W. All right, let's go to New Jersey. No team in New Jersey. Yeah, there are two of them. In New Jersey. We just say New York, but it's the New Jersey Jets, really. Are taking on the Dolphins. Dolphins going on the road. They've won two in a row, beat us, then beat the Ravens. They had the mini-bye off the Thursday game, and now they're taking on the New York Jets. And the Dolphins are relatively healthy, and it does look like Tua found a little something, maybe. Found his confidence, maybe, against the Ravens. Led them to a win in the fourth quarter. I think he'll do it again. The Dolphins are favored by three and a half. That hook, ooh, man, keep an eye on that. Zach Wilson won't play. Joe Flacco will start, and that's probably the reason why I'm going with the Dolphins to cover the three because the Dolphins will blitz Joe Flacco when he's on the sideline. Somehow the offense will find a way to blitz Joe Flacco. I mean, they're just going to blitz him all day, and there's no reason not to. Elijah Vera Tucker, who has turned into a whale of an offensive lineman, is questionable to toe. Hopefully he's going to play because I, like really, I really like watching him play for the Jets. Jets won't have enough. Zach Wilson, presumably back next week. I think that, yeah, is that the Texans? Yeah, I think it's the Texans. I'm trying to remember 12, 13. I think it's, yeah, it's the Jets. So maybe he's back for that, but he's doubtful for this one. Joe Flacco is going to get blitzed. Dolphins are going to win this thing. It may be ugly. It may be like 23 to 6. But I think the Dolphins will cover that three and a half. I don't think the hook is really going to be in play here. I think the Dolphins will take care of business and beat the Jets in New Jersey. Saints and Eagles. Now, Michael Irvin brought a really interesting point up, and it ended up making its way over to social media because it's Michael Irvin, uh, and he's talking about the Eagles. Um, and he talked about them in really glowing terms. And he made a comment. He said, look, look at the Eagles' schedule the rest of the year. It's not that difficult, in particular because they got to play the NFC East opponents. So there's an opportunity for Philadelphia to close quickly, close well, 
and maybe get into playoffs. I'm like, what? Playoffs? Like, but then I thought about like, yeah, maybe this could happen. You got Devontae Smith showing up now, making some big-time plays. Jalen Hurts is doing the run pass thing really, really well. Game's in Philly. They're a two-point favorite. Alvin Kamara is out. Teron Armstead is out. Ryan Ramchek out. Tenno Passignon is out. Big names out for the New Orleans Saints. And the Eagles are relatively healthy. So I think I'm going to go with the Eagles to win this one. They're favored by two and a half. So Vegas thinks they're pretty much even. Maybe you give the Saints uh, a leg up, but with no Camara, deal with that knee, and both starting tackles are out. I'm going to Eagles to win this thing, and they're going to cover that two and a half. Get the Eagles that W to get to five and six. My goodness. I don't think they're going to catch the Cowboys, but I- I'm telling you, there's going to be a team in the league with eight wins, eight and nine, nine and eight, gets to the playoffs. Maybe it's the Eagles. Play a little bit better. They're going to get that win. All right, let's go to the Ron Rivera Bowl that is taking place in Charlotte. Your starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers will be Cameron Newton. That's right. Cam Newton will start for the Panthers against his former coach, Ron Rivera. The Washington football team got a big win last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Panthers got the 5-5 five and five of a massive win against the Arizona Cardinals, and Carolina's favored by 3.5. And... A half. and Panthers relatively healthy. Washington football team, they'll be without tight end Ricky Seals-Jones. But for the most part, it looks like they're yeah, sort of healthy. So from that perspective, I think Carolina with Christian McCaffrey back, with Cam back, I'm curious to see how they use Cam in the passing game, which obviously Joe Brady has had to figure out. And do they use P.J. Walker also in some sort of wildcat capacity or what they're going to do with him because I think they could use P.J. Walker in addition to Cam Newton. And I think that's going to be enough. I think Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey, Chuba Hubbard, those three running the rock are going to give Washington issue. I think Carolina wins this thing. And they cover the three and a half. Gosh, that was close. I I feel like 21-17. I feel like Carolina will blitz Taylor Heineke enough to keep him off balance. So I'm going to go with Carolina and win this thing. 24-20, 21-17, four-point win. That'll cover the three and a half. Our last noon game takes place at Jacksonville. And it's the Jaguars taking on the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Jacksonville got that win the last time at Jacksonville against the Buffalo Bills. Somehow, someway. But James Robinson's questionable. And he has said he feels pretty good. And there's a decent shot of him strapping it up against the 49ers. The 49ers looked all kinds of awesome. But Elijah Mitchell probably going to be out. He's doubtful. I don't think I've ever seen a doubtful play. So if you have Elijah Mitchell in fantasy, you might want to go a different direction. 49ers still have a lot of injuries. But they're working their way through it, and they played really well on Monday night. But they played Monday night. They've got to travel and play on the East Coast and play at a negative body clock game because they're playing it at 1 o'clock local time, which body clock time is 12 on 10 a.m. And the 49ers are fair by 6.5. Short week, negative body clock game, 
Trevor Lawrence can do just enough to win a game. I don't think the Jaguars win, but I do think the Jaguars will cover. Give the Niners a win to get to 5-5. Five and five, But the Jaguars are going to make this closer than it should be. And from a fantasy perspective, Jeff Wilson, probably the guy you want to rely on on fantasy. You might want to put Elijah Mitchell on your bench uh, as he is doubtful for this one. All right, let's get to our afternoon games. The Bengals and the Raiders are two teams that about three weeks ago were riding high. Well, five and two, man, could these guys be atop the AFC when it's all said and done? Well, uh, things happen for both teams and not in, a, not in a great way. The Raiders got housed on Sunday Night Football against the Bengals. and or I'm sorry, against the Chiefs. The Bengals sitting at five and four. I think you got a great shot to go win this one in Las Vegas. I'm going to give the Bengals the opportunity to cover. It's a one point. It's a one point spread with the Bengals' favorite. I think Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase are going to eat against that Raiders secondary. Now, there's been talk that Mullen will be back for uh, the Raiders. I don't know if that matters. I think Joe Burrow is going to light him up. I think Bengals are going to win this thing, and the Raiders are going to fall to 5-5 five and five as the Bengals go to 6-4, and four, trying to keep pace in the AFC North. Cowboys Chiefs. Oh, baby. In Kansas City. Amari Cooper out with COVID. Ouch. Now, the Cowboys have been all over the map. Amari Cooper's been a big part of it. This offense is still going to be able to move the ball against the Chiefs. And I think they're going to put pressure on the Chiefs. However... What we saw the other night from the Chiefs in that win against the Raiders was the offense I think we should see. Controlled when it needs to be controlled, going 95 miles an hour in the left lane when it needs to go that fast. So I'm going Chiefs, and they're favored by two and a half, Chiefs to win and cover that two and a half against the Cowboys. NFC West battle out in Seattle. The Cardinals take it on the Seahawks. The Cardinals coming off. An embarrassing loss to Carolina Panthers. Not because of losing to Carolina, but how they lost and how badly they got beat up. The Seahawks lost at Green Bay, scoring zero points. Arizona's favored by two. Looks like Kyler Murray's going to be back. However, it sounds like DeAndre Hopkins won't. With Murray back, I give the Cardinals an opportunity to go win that game and cover that two-point spread against Seattle. Sunday night, this is a great game. Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are favored by five and a half. Five and a half. I still think this is going to be a fun ball game. And I think the Chargers are going to win it, though. I think this feels like 31-24, a seven-point win. I think Chargers are going to win by seven. I think Herbert's going to bounce back. With no T.J. Watt in the lineup, which it sounds like there's not going to be a T.J. Watt in the lineup uh, as he's been dealing with some injuries multiple injuries, I think the Steelers will have a tougher time slowing the Chargers' offense down. And I think it turns into a seven-point win for the Chargers. Last year, the Giants and Buccaneers played on a Monday night in New Jersey. This year, they're playing on Monday night in Tampa. Tampa's favored by 11. I mean, you got all kinds of drama down in Tampa Bay with Antonio Brown. Shocker! Uh, I think the Buccaneers still win. They're favored by 11. Yeah, I'm going to give the Bucs a win and a cover. They'll win that by a couple touchdowns. Let's go 35-21. Something of that magnitude. Giants score a little bit, but not enough. And those are your weekly NFL picks brought to you by Caesars Rewards for every way you 
play. All right, coming up, we got Houston Methodist Minutes and Drew Doherty's final word with Titus Howard. That's next on Texas All Access. We got one final segment this edition of Texans All Access on a Friday evening, less than 48 hours away from Texans v. Titans in Nashville. Man, the games in Nashville since 2016. Oh, yeah. Since 2016, they've all had a little something. 2016 actually took place in 2017. We that was New Year's Day, 2017. That was the day of the uh, Tom Savage concussion on quarterback sneak. Brock Osweiler's got to go back in the game. A little tete-a-tete in a locker room sort of thing rumored to have happened. I heard the whole thing, so it happened. Uh, that was in 2016. 2017, we went there, and we, remember, we had all those guys that were injured. Oh, my gosh, J.J. was injured, and Whitney was injured, and was Watson was injured, Nick Martin was injured. Everybody was hurt, and then on that day, we got a bunch of receivers hurt. The only receivers we had in that game in 2017 were DeAndre Hopkins. We had Bruce – oh, I'm sorry, um, uh, not Bruce Ellington, but his cousin, um, Ellington. Andre, Andre Ellington, had no idea what to do. None. He had to stand next to Hop. Hop was telling him what to do. Chris Thompson was a rookie wide receiver, hadn't played receiver all year, and we had one of the tight ends. I think it was maybe Ryan Griffin in that game. I'm trying to remember exactly. But we didn't have anybody, anybody in that game. And yet, Savage made an incredible throw on fourth down to keep us in it. But then he threw an interception in the end zone. Henry scored the next play, and it was over. 2018 was week two. We went there. They played Blaine Gabbert. They had no offensive lineman healthy. Somehow beat us. Somehow. I mean, I still don't know how it happened. Uh, 2019, two teams tied nine and five, I'm sorry, eight and five, three games left. We had Tennessee, Tampa, and then Tennessee again. So we were facing them twice in two weeks. It was a massive game. The winner more than likely was going to win the AFC South. And we went there and put it on him, held Derrick Henry under 85 yards. I think he had like 83. Whitney Merciless had an interception. Two touchdown catches by Kenny Stills, and then one by a touchdown run by Carlos Hyde put us in the lead. We held on, won that game, won a division uh, in 20, that was 2019. 2020 was one of the best football games I've ever seen. It was, it was crazy. Back and forth and back and forth. The fourth quarter was unreal. We couldn't stop Henry. They couldn't stop uh, the passing game. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And we decided to go for two after scoring a touchdown late. That two. And it's over. Got knocked down. At that point, they took the ball, marched all the way down, scored in the last play, basically the last play of regulation, won the toss in overtime, went all the way down, scored a touchdown in overtime, never saw the ball again. We went from ahead seven, could have been nine, and the game's over, to never saw the ball again, lost 43-37. to So games in Nashville have been, uh, wow. They've just been nuts. Like 2015, the game there, that was the J.J. Watt selfie game where he kept taking selfies, fake selfies. Um, if you know that story about Zach Mettenberger taking selfies before the game, it really kind of riled up J.J. and he sacked him and he kept taking selfies. There have been, been some wild games um, that I know I've been on the sidelines for. 2009 was a game I was not on the sidelines for, but it was a crazy 
crazy game at the beginning beginning of the year, I believe. Um, I think there was a Joel Dreesen, Kyle Vandenbosch, Tana, Tana, there was a fight at some point. I mean, it was just been nutty games. So never know what's going to happen as we get crazy in the rain on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. So in this final segment, we got two things to do. Number one, we'll hear from Titus Howard in just a second as Drew's final word gets kicked off. But we got some Houston Methodist minutes with Mark Vandermeer. And this week, it's wrist injuries. It's Houston Methodist Minutes with Dr. Korsh Jafarnia of Houston Methodist. Doctor, how's it going today? Fantastic, fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's always a pleasure. Let's talk about wrist injuries. And you and I have spoken before. Now, the most common cause has to be people trying to break a fall, right? Am I right about this, that that's the most common type of injury you see? That's exactly right. To the extent that we have a mnemonic for it, it's called a foosh, fall on an outstretched hand. So basically people are trying to catch themselves from falling on their face or their other body parts they use. They put their hand out and they inevitably break or injure their wrist somehow or another. What about athletes? Is it the same thing with them or do you see other causes of a wrist injury? Well, it's similar to that, but maybe a contact from, you know, somebody coming at you full force or a helmet or something along those lines, you know, trying to keep yourself from falling on the ground and staying on your legs instead of protecting your head from falling from, you know, from a parking lot or something. But there's still every, the, the point is that everybody's trying to keep themselves from falling on a body part or getting a body part injured. So they use whatever they can, which is usually their wrist. So what usually gets hurt? What breaks? Is it one of the bones in the arm or the hand? What can you tell us about that? Well, technically a forearm bone, but it's really truly in the wrist. It's, it's the radius. It's called it's similar to what we call a collie's fracture, an older person, but it's, a, it's a just a radius fracture. So it's the far end of the forearm bone that articulates with the wrist joint. And that's, that's the most common wrist fracture to have. Now, within the wrist, you have smaller bones, and, and one of the more common smaller bones, and we've seen this in professional athletes as well, is the scaphoid bone that can fracture also. And those are the two fractures that happen in the wrist. What about wrist sprains, though? So you have some ligaments involved. What about wrist sprains and how you recover from those? Sure. So wrist sprains occur whenever you have trauma and basically other flexed or extended posture of your wrist, and it's when there's force attached along with that component, and you're trying to prevent certain force either up or down of your wrist so the ligaments that protect and connect the bones can get sprained or really like they get stretched basically and we call them sprained or they can tear if, if it's a hyperextension or hyperflexion injury all right now we always hear about people with tendonitis in their elbows or knees what about the wrist so you can get tendonitis about the wrist and there are many tendons that can be involved uh, commonly on the outside of the wrist there's a very strong tendon on the top and the very strong tendon on the bottom that can get overexerted and get inflammation around the tendons themselves. And that causes the tendonitis, which usually responds to either anti-inflammatory medication or if need be a steroid injection. Doctor, great information. Thanks so much for the time. Sure thing. My pleasure. Dr. Korsh Jafardia of Houston Methodist. Check them out, HoustonMethodist.org, the official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. Great stuff there from Mark Vandermeer and the doctors at Houston Methodist. Now it's time to give Drew Doherty the final word. I started this probably about four or five years ago where I was trying to think of something. Drew had given me this interview, and he's like, hey, man, use it if you want. I'm like, no, I like this. What am I going to do with this? Oh, I'm going to make it Drew's final word. It's going to be the last thing you hear on our Texans radio broadcast as we go into the weekend and get ready for the game. So I call it Drew's final word. We've just tacked on Drew's dozen 
somewhere in between. So he separated. Drew's dozen, no football. We talk about octopi. This one, Drew's final forward. We talk a lot about football and get ready for the game against the Titans. So here's Titus Howard with Drew Doherty. It's time for the final word. Titus, it's always good to be with you. You got a week off. You had the bye. So how necessary was that for you? How necessary was that for this football team, you think? Oh, it was pretty necessary. I needed it. Got a chance to sit back, relax, get my feet up. Actually rest and spend time with the family. So I enjoyed the bye week, came back this week uh, so much better. Yeah. I feel like I'm ready to go for the second half of the season and to make a push to win some games. Good stuff. What was the week of practice like after you have a little bit of time to yourself and a little bit of time off like that? Uh, it's always a little bit, like, you know, little stuff you got to pick up on and fix. You know, the first couple of practices getting back from a bye week because you've been off the whole week. But I think as a, you know, a team, we came out and we uh, attacked this week to get better, and I think we're doing a pretty good job of it. One of the things I know that you guys all want to improve is is the run game. It's not just the offensive line. It's not just the running backs. It's it's a collective effort. How do you jiggle things? How do you make things better there running the football and have more, a little more success than you had that first half of the season? I think the biggest thing is being consistent. I say this a lot because I, I, that's one of the biggest things I pride on is being consistent. I think as a group, we had to be more consistent up front and just more consistent as an offense. And when we become more consistent and do our jobs each play, uh, the run game would come uh, come with his, within its own. And I think that's one job we got to do this Sunday, be more consistent on first, second, and third down. And then it should play out for itself. You know, in the first week and a half of the season and then leading up to that Dolphins game, you could tell like you guys believe in Tyrod Taylor. There's a different vibe when he's on, on the field and when he's under center. He didn't play like he normally does, and that's talking about through his whole career mm-hmm. in Miami. He's pretty confident that changes. How confident are you guys that that changes? Because it looked like it was just one of those hiccups, and it's not something that he normally does, right? Yeah, just one of those days. And Tyrod knows it, and we, we know it as an offense that we, you know, we, we trust him as a, our quarterback, and uh, we know that when we come back out this Sunday, he can get the job done. And I think the way he carries himself every day speaks for, for itself, that type of a guy he is and the type of player he is. And he, we know that we can look up to him and, and, and play in front of him and know that he's going to carry us to the win. Yeah, you guys are playing the Titans this Sunday, the team you guys know very well. They're a division foe. And lining up across from you, you're going to see a little bit of Jeffrey Simmons. How good a player is he? What sort of challenge is he? I think he's a very good player. I think that front, actually, all the guys, him, Danico, Harold Landry, and those guys, Bud Dupree, I don't know if Bud playing this week, but I think they have a pretty good talent front. And Jeffrey, you know, he's head hunter over there right now. And I'm looking forward to the, you know, the challenge to block them all game. And I think I can get the job done. Three, four years ago, I was in Nashville that night that you were picked. He was picked a few picks ahead of you. It's funny how y'all's careers are sort of intertwined, hasn't it? Yeah, I've been pretty familiar with him since I came into the league. Like you said, I played, we played at Tennessee then in our division, so I like pretty much like known about him the whole time and kept up like how he doing, and like I said, I played against him last year, and I think this year he came into himself and he's actually making a name for himself, and I like that. I'm just looking forward to for the competition, you know, to get in and show that I can block him, and you know, to show that, hey, yeah, you might have been picked a couple of picks higher than me, but <laughs> you know, I can get the job done. All right, let's see how you're powering game day. Sleep. How much do you get the night before, say, a noon game? Like, when do you go to bed? When do you wake up? What's that like for you? Me being completely honest, we play at noon. I think we probably had BSA around 9. I probably go to sleep around, like, 10.30. Okay. What I do is I, I really can't eat on game days for some reason. So what I do is I load up the night before the game. And I, after I ate all that food, I get tired. and stuff. So I just <laughs> talk to my wife and my daughter for a little while. Right. Then I just lay down and go to sleep. So you keep it light. Game day as far as eating, uh-huh. what are you listening to 
as far as music? What do you get ready for the game with? If I'm being completely honest, I really don't even listen to music before the okay. game. Okay. Huh. Like, I, I mostly, like, just be chilling, just talking to the guys, you know, just trying to get us, you know, get us ready for the game, like, have a good vibes going. And like, when I listen to music, I feel like I'm all by myself, and I'm just trying to be to myself. But I want to, you know, interact with my guys. So when we get out on the field – you know, we, we just feel like it's a vibe going on and it'll be pretty chill and cool. I like it. I hope the vibe is chill and cool and victorious on yes, Sunday. Sir. This is good stuff. Titus Howard, best of luck against the Titans. Best of luck the rest of 2021. Yes, sir. No doubt. I said earlier, I'll say it again. That man is good on the mic. Very, very good on the mic. And hopefully he plays very well. He's got a big challenge ahead when number 98, Jeffrey Simmons, is in front of him. All right, that's going to do it. A big thanks to Deepy, to Danny Amendola, to Drew Doherty, to Titus Howard, to Mark Vandermeer, David Culley, my man Chris Santiago on the ones and twos back in studio making sure that I don't say something I'm going to regret much later. And all of you for listening, you are the very best. I really appreciate the support. Uh, I hope you guys all know what it means to me uh, to be part of the Texans family, to be part of, in some small way, your family. Thank you so much. We'll see you on Sunday from Nashville at Nissan Stadium. See you then, everybody. And as always, go Texans.